Hello, everybody, and welcome back to episode 38 of Pigskins and Nylon, presented by Tabbies.com, the best Delta edible on the market. It's just Casey and I again today. Hayden's got basketball practice. It's that real busy time of year for him. So we're going to hold down the fort here, hopefully have the three of us back together this Sunday morning to talk a little bit about the recap show. But since it is just us, I'm going to throw it over to Casey here first. I'm sure you're still enjoying a little bit of this free time right now, but even more importantly, your Michigan Wolverines tip off in basketball tonight. You have to be some kind of excited, buddy. Yeah, man, absolutely enjoying the free time after work. Had a fantastic day today, took the kids to a tournament, and we really performed a lot better than what I expected. So that was really awesome to see and very promising for the future of the what, what do we call ourselves? The Dragons. I think we're the Dragons or something. I don't know. But yeah, Michigan tips off tonight. They've got a, a really quality MAC opponent, I guess, in uh, Buffalo, visiting Ann Arbor tonight. So I'm really excited to see that. Tip-off's here in less than an hour and a half. So excited to see the what the freshman can do. He kind of already know what you got and everybody else, which is which is really pretty good. And that's why they're the sixth-ranked team in the country to start the year off. So, yeah, really excited for Michigan basketball tonight. I thought last night the, the games were unexpectedly pretty fun and entertaining. Just awesome time of the year, man. We got big-time football this weekend. We've got college basketball during the week. We've got Maxion now also. BG and Toledo battle tonight, so go Falcons. Yeah, man, exciting, exciting November this is turning out to be so far. If you can get beyond the weather, this is the best month of the year. You have the most sports going on, the most meaningful sports going on. You just finished up with baseball, too. So this is about the sports apex as it gets. And it is crazy that Michigan, in one sport, you can argue, ranked sixth, might be a little bit of a slight against them because I feel like the basketball team might be even better than that. And then, obviously, on the flip, there's a lot of talk about Michigan being ranked sixth this week in football. And we'll get to that when we get to our topics here. But the last thing I do want to say is that as far as Maction goes, I'm not going to ever talk bad about Mac basketball after last night with the Buckeyes. Got a one-point win against the mighty Zips of Akron. And I'm pretty... We were talking about it just a second ago, but it's so funny how in basketball, how a one-point loss in November to Akron is devastating. In a one-point win to Akron in November is completely forgotten about. That's, I guess, the kind of craziness that goes into college basketball and how we evaluate things. But it's just such a great time of year, man. Yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. Very exciting stuff. Well, let's just get right to it now. We're going to go into our topics. And before we actually get into our basketball preview show this week, and it's going to be brief. We've kind of hinted at that. We'll start again with Casey's recruiting corner. And now that we are getting into basketball season two, we're going to look at both sides here. Any big news on the hoop side? And how about the football side here, Casey? I've been kind of looking at the basketball recruiting really since about August and, and giving updates on that as much as I can. But nothing to report on for the basketball recruiting side for uh, our Big Ten schools and very few for football. Rutgers lands a three-star defensive lineman out of New Jersey. Nebraska lands a three-star athlete out of Chicago, and Michigan State lands a three-star edge rusher out of the state of Indiana. So, um, you know, not, nothing too crazy, but, you know, three stars, they, they often, if you get them in the right program, can develop to be really good players. So 
you know, hopefully for these guys, they are go- are going to the right program, I guess. Was that Nebraska guy also in state, like the Jersey guy going to Rutgers? No, the Nebraska guy was from Chicago. So dipping into that Northwestern and Illinois territory a little bit. And that's a shame, too, because we talked about it even last week about how Brett Bielma's biggest trouble for Illinois is going to be trying to close down that border. When you're in the middle of Big Ten country, everybody wants to go into that Chicago area and vault your high-end talent there. So I guess good for Nebraska. They need a little bit of good news in the football front right now. So we appreciate that update there, Casey. And we'll go now into our next little bit, which I'm pretty excited about, too, the college football playoffs. I wasn't able to be here with you guys last week when we talked about the first rankings, but I wanted to look into these second ones now because we had another bit of Big Ten influence and a Big Ten surprise in Michigan being ranked one spot ahead of Michigan State. On the show, and I'm sure many of our listeners saw it, you got to see Joey Galloway, Kirk Herbstreit, and Reese Davis kind of argue back and forth over who was going to be that sixth spot. But I think ultimately you heard Kirk Herbstreit say it best. When Michigan is ahead of them now, clearly they are talking about how they looked in that game, being the better team. But Michigan State's going to have every opportunity down the stretch to have a better resume and leapfrog Michigan, leapfrog Ohio State, and get themselves back into that playoff picture. So Casey, when you looked at this rankings this time, not a ton of surprises beyond that. Moving people up, Minnesota fell out and Purdue's in. Was there anything that you saw or when this happened that shocked you or at least made you scratch your head a little bit? Yeah, to be honest with you, that comment that Herb Street made kind of made me scratch my head a little bit because the last three opponents for each team are the exact same opponents. They both play Ohio State, Penn State, and Maryland. So I guess I'm not really sure what he was what he was getting at by that. But I, I was very surprised that Michigan was ahead of Michigan State given how the committee showed last week that they really value head-to-head wins and really outside of the Michigan-Michigan State again this week that seems like something that they really value they have Oregon ahead of Ohio State still they have Wisconsin ahead of Purdue they have Purdue ahead of Iowa who only has two losses still so very confused by it and to be honest it means absolutely nothing because if neither team wins out they're they're not going to get in the top four anyway so I don't tend to overreact to these rankings, I guess, until it really matters. I suppose my only defense of the Kirk Herbstreit comment would be in his eyes that if you do win out in these three games while you have the same three opponents, you're also going to have that ability to play in a Big Ten championship, whereas Michigan's not going to have that opportunity. But you're right. Yeah, there were, when you look at this, beyond that one, For me personally, the only thing I guess that surprised me was to see how large of a jump Purdue had. And if Purdue does manage to beat Ohio State this week, that's three top five wins they have. It makes you wonder where that they would put Purdue in a scenario that you walk into Columbus and get a win. Because all of a sudden then you're talking about Rose Bowl again for Purdue. Yeah, and that's that's one thing that, you know, is kind of fun, but I mean... I think this committee just overreacts too much sometimes, you know, jumping Purdue all the way up to 19. Are they the 19th best team in the country? I don't think so. You know, to be honest with you, I think Penn State is better than they are, and Penn State's not even ranked. That was another thing that I was surprised about. Um, but I guess when you do lose to, you know, Illinois, you you don't really deserve to be ranked, in my opinion. So that I, that's really all I have on the rankings. 
And we'll check back in with the rankings again next week. I'm sure there will be more surprises, and who knows, because you're going to have, like you said, Penn State and Minnesota. They're both not ranked, but you imagine it's in that short breath of teams that aren't. There's a lot of Big Ten influence up there and a lot of highly significant games coming up. But for basketball now, we've been hinting at this for a few weeks. We're going to get into a soft little what preview show here with you and me. At least give a few takes that we have going into the season. So I wanted to at least start with this first of all. Just start easy. Who is going to win the regular season Big Ten championship and give us a reason why, Casey? Yeah, I uh, looking at the rundown, kind of... Kind of crazy that you said to starting out easy, man. Because I I thought this was hard to choose, to be honest with you. The Big Ten has three teams ranked in the top eleven in the country already. My my gut is telling me that Michigan's the most talented team, and I don't really think you could argue with that. But Illinois poses a big time matchup equalizer, is is how I put it with Kobe Coburn on Hunter Dickinson. And then uh, Curbelo on whatever guard you want to put them on. And and then Purdue is no slouch. They're ranked 7th in the country, too. And then I I think it's those three are the top teams in the uh, the conference. And I think they'll be top three seeds overall in the tournament. And then you got tricky teams like Maryland and Ohio State. And Iowa might be tricky. Michigan State is always talented. But, you know, with all that being said, I think I'm going to lean toward Michigan. I know it's no fun to go with the with the favorite, but I just think their their depth will allow them to um, outlast a lot of the Big Ten opponents this year. Yeah, I think that the top three teams that you mentioned, the big obvious key difference between them and those teams following is those talented bigs. And those guys are going to keep these teams, I think, above the next 11 in this conference throughout the year. And I agree. I think they're going to be the top three seeds, not only in that tournament, but in the overall tournament as well. And I don't blame you for picking the favorite. When you have to look at a a season like this, a long season, where you're going to have to play a lot of talented teams in the Big Ten, I'm just naturally going to go with the team that I feel like not only they have the experience, but you have a guy like Hunter Dickinson. I'm going to take this Michigan team to win in the regular season. It's a little bit of a crapshoot if you get into the Big Ten tournament because you have those three talented bigs that if you have one night where Illinois gets hot shooting, they're going to probably be the better team. If you have a night where Michigan's the hotter team shooting, Purdue, vice versa, those three. So I'm saying Michigan wins in a regular season. It's probably too early to pick a tournament winner yet, so I'll ignore that or at least a Big Ten tournament. So I'm very much in in favor there, and I'm going to just, I guess— even though this is out of order on a rundown, I think it's natural that we should ask you of those three bigs, because I think that that's probably the conversation we're having is who is the best player in this conference this year. And I'm going to go first this one. And I think it's so narrow, man. It's so narrow. But as of right now, I'm going to go with Kofi by an eyelash over Hunter Dickinson. And I mean, this is no knock on Hunter Dickinson either. This is just a how supremely talented Kofi Coburn is. I think that it's going to be one of the most intriguing matchups is to watch Illinois and Michigan play and Illinois and Purdue and Michigan and Purdue. Those three and those bigs going at that, it's going to feel like a war between those three in the year because whoever wins that battle likely will win the regular season. So I know that it's kind of talking out of both sides of my mouth. I picked Kofi Coburn as a better player. Michigan going to win the conference, but that's just what I do, Casey. So 
I need you to come in and save it with a little bit of sense here. No, I don't think you can go wrong picking Kofi. You know, I think Hunter Dickinson developed a little bit of a mid-range game, and I definitely like and feel more comfortable with him at the free throw line than I do with Kofi Coburn. So I would give the edge to Dickinson, but I actually went a little bit off the path here. And I, I, you know, I'm riding with my boy Trace Jackson Davis out of Indiana. He's coming off a year where he averaged 19 and 9. And he got off to a really good start again last night. So, I, you know, I'd, I would like him to improve from the free throw line. It seems like kids nowadays just can't make free throws, which is crazy. But there really isn't much that he can't do. So I'm, I'm going to ride with him because I picked him in our fantasy draft, our fantasy basketball draft that we did. Gosh, that was a couple months, two, three months ago now. God, that might be, I was going to say that might have been early summer even. Yeah, my goodness, that was a long time ago. But I remember I got him with my second pick, and I just felt like I stole the whole draft. Other candidates that I thought and really considered were Hunter Dickinson, Coburn, Eric Ayala from Maryland, and then EJ Liddell from OSU. I don't know. Are we going to get into a game recaps? Yeah, I figured at the very end we can kind of briefly talk about what we saw in night one. Okay. And EJ Liddell, because I just think Ohio State is going to need to play through him in order to be successful this year. So... Those are my top five, I guess, with giving the edge to Chase Tra- Trace Jackson Davis. That's kind of hard. You want to say Chase, <laughs> but yep, there we go. Well, no, and I'm actually, again, we're, we're on a roll here with these natural segues, but I had three questions I wanted to pose from a player personnel point going into this little preview here was the best player, and I'll just ask you the other two now because I think we've kind of hinted at both of it already in best freshman coming into this year and our most underrated or the most underappreciated player. And I'll just say right now, you're right, because Trace, I, I really do think, could fit in that most underrated or most undervalued. And it's just purely, look at the team he was on last year, and they were a very forgettable team. So you just look past guys like that. And the other guys I wrote down, and you just mentioned one, was Eric Ayala. I think he's going to be exceptional once again this year. And don't forget, too, Ron Harper Jr. out there, on the East, I mean, dude, he looks good last year in that Rutgers team. No, Ron Harper Jr., that's another guy that I drafted, that or the fantasy draft that we did. I'm pretty sure I got him with the sixth pick, another steal. I, I dominated that draft. And I've got Geo Baker, the other guy that you could have mentioned here, but you were right. I like Ron Harper more, and you had a hell of a draft. I think even that day when we finished, we're like, all right, I think Casey probably took the cake on this one. But no, for whatever reason, that those two names stuck out to me for most undervalued. And before I throw it back, you said it for Michigan earlier at the very top of the show. But Caleb Houston, I'm so excited to watch him. I almost put Max Christie, too. And we're going to talk briefly about game one here in a minute. And he looked all right. I mean, he had a very tough first task going against Kansas at MSG of all places. But yeah, no, I think Caleb Houston, that Michigan team, it's a, it's a perfect fit. There's so much young talent there mixed with a lot of very talented veterans. And it couldn't be even better. And with a head coach like Juwan Howard, I just feel like that's a natural place for him to grow and really develop at a quick pace. So Caleb Houston is another reason that not only do I have... I'm not going to go too far, but Michigan's going to win this conference and who knows where they're going to go from there. Yeah, that that's another great pick. You know, I, I really think it's... There, there are about four candidates on really quality team or I guess one's not but one will put up a bunch of numbers for best freshman I think it's Caleb Houston 
I think Malachi Branham will get a lot of shots at Ohio State, especially after watching the game last night. And then you mentioned Max Christie and then Bryce McGowan's, man. My, Bryce McGowan's is going to put up numbers on a really bad Nebraska team that we'll talk about here in a little bit. So statistically, the best freshman, I'm going to say, will be Bryce McGowan's. But you're absolutely right. The best fit is Caleb Houston at Michigan, and there's no doubt about it. My most undervalued player in the Big Ten was actually another very, very difficult question to answer. I obviously follow Michigan basketball a lot. I also follow Ohio State basketball a lot. And been getting into everybody else, you could go with, you know, Curbelo from Illinois. Very undervalued. Doesn't put up great numbers. You could go with Kyle Young because you saw the impact that he made that he had when he was off the field for, or field, the court for Ohio State. Football season's taking its toll on us (laughs) right now. (laughs) When he was on the court for Ohio, off the court for Ohio State late in the season last year. But ultimately, I'm going to ride with my guy Eli Brooks from Michigan. Early in his career, I was not an Eli Brooks fan. I thought, you know, you could have plugged me out there and I would be just as good as what Eli Brooks was. He was scrawny and he was... Just getting bullied, really. But now, man, you know, he's going into his fifth or maybe even sixth year. He consistently drains threes. He plays really good defense. But I think this year his leadership as one of the oldest guys on the team is going to make him extremely valuable. So I'm going with Eli Brooks as the most undervalued player in the Big Ten. I really like those picks, actually. I really will have to get a speed round of Hayden here on Sunday to hear what he has to say, too. This is going to be... I'm really excited about this Big Ten season just because every year it seems like we say this now. But this is the deepest. This is the best I can remember the Big Ten being in such a long period of time. I was doing a little research going into the show because I'm like, God, I wonder how many of these Big Ten teams can make the tournament and how many... Have they ever made in the past? And when I was going through, I was surprised to find in 2019 with eight teams, that was the most Big Ten teams that we've ever got. I have to imagine, Casey, unless I'm a little crazy, I feel like eight is very obtainable this year. And I might even say it should be expected. You might get even more than eight. Yeah. How many did we get in last year? You know, that's a, it might, I don't know if the, what, I guess the website I was on might have been low, but I thought we had a ton last year too, but maybe I'm crazy. Yeah, maybe I'm crazy too, but I felt like last year, my goodness, top to bottom, outside of Minnesota, really. And even Minnesota beat Michigan and Ohio State with Marcus Carr. So, yeah, I thought last year we were extremely deep. So, that yeah, that's, that's interesting. Eight is definitely something that I think we could beat. But it really just depends on th- that middle tier teams and how successful they are. And their success kind of is based off of if they can beat one of the top three. So I don't know. We'll, we'll see. It's going to be a really fun season. I'm really, really excited for it. So hand up, my bad. I was reading an article that was written before this last tournament. So again, hand up. That's on me. Last year was the most we ever had. Now we had nine. So last year we did have nine, and I guess that would further to say that this needs to be the expectation again this year to have eight or nine teams, especially with how deep this conference is. And when I was going through it, there were only three or four teams that I could confidently say won't have a bid right now, and that's Minnesota after, unfortunately, the car transfer. 
it looks like they're starting some very dark days up there in Minnesota. Penn State, you would imagine, is going to have a difficult time. Northwestern, too. But beyond that, there's probably four or five teams. I have them written down. Indiana, Wisconsin, Nebraska, Iowa, and Rutgers. All at least are going to have the ability to get there. It's just they're going to have to win some some games that I don't know if they're going to be able to. In Nebraska, you talked about it. it that's going to be tough. But do you have any teams, I guess, right now that you think might be bubble teams that other people might not be as high on, but you're confident they're going to get to the dance at the end of the day? Yeah, I do. You know, these these preview shows are so fun, and they're so fun to try to predict this stuff like this because it, it'll probably not happen the way that we we expect it to. But the, the teams that I have as locks right now are Michigan, Illinois, Purdue, Michigan State, even though they lost, I still think that I— I think they're really, really talented. I think they'll get it rolling. Ohio State, Maryland, and then the bubble teams, going back to the question that you asked, I have Iowa and Wisconsin getting in the tournament, but then I have Indiana being a bubble team and not making the tournament. I think that leaves me with eight getting in with Indiana as a bubble team. This is off the cuff, but is Indiana basketball kind of turning into Nebraska football? I would argue even a little bit more successful because I believe the past two years they've been like, you know, last weekend kind of on the bubble and then they choked it away. So I, I don't really think Nebraska's really I, – I understand what you're saying, but I don't think Nebraska's that close to um, – No, you're right. The Indiana basketball team. <laughs> no, no it, it, it's like that – I guess what I was trying to say, and you're right. I'm glad you called me on that. No, but it's the it, – it's kind of the hmm, – these old teams that used to have that national title or bust attitudes and yeah. now all of a sudden find themselves in a position that they're – what? I mean, under 500 or fighting to get a bid for an NCAA – birth and that's just 20 years ago i think indiana fan would have laughed in your face if you said we'd be here today but unless you have anything else to say about a preview here real quick do you want to just jump in about what we saw on night one we had 11 of the 14 big 10 teams playing we obviously talked michigan's going to be the team tonight on wednesday that's going to get their first game but a couple i think the big key games that everybody was paying attention to was obviously ohio state needing a last second bucket to beat akron in Michigan State having that, I can't remember what the classic they're calling it right now in MSG, but they had a really good first half against Kansas before Kansas ultimately showed that they're a national title contender and they're really freaking good. Not a knock on Michigan State at all. What were your takeaways from night one? Even if it was beyond those two games, what, what were you thinking? Yeah, I have a couple notes here. So in my opinion, Ohio State, it's too reliant on EJ Liddell to be an elite team right now, like we were just talking about. I don't see them having a, a, a great second option like they had last year in Dwayne Washington. And then even CJ Walker, man, you know, he only averaged about 10 points a game. But, you know, if he if he wanted to, he could do that little pull-up hook uh, or uh, jumper from the free throw line. It was money. If he got fouled, he shot like 95% from the free throw line. So I think they're going to miss that, and they're going to miss it a lot more. And I think that until they can figure out who can replace them, it might be a, a little bit of a struggle. An another note that I have, it was not a good start for Max Christie. Um, he shot three of ten from the field. But, you know, I really like these early, early season games like this because even though they lost, I still feel like 
Michigan State's going to grow from this game, and it's really going to benefit them later in the season. Bryce McGowan's, I fully expect him to be putting up 25 a night or, or something like that, taking a lot of shots because he's a really good player on a really bad team with, with not very much depth. So uh, keep an eye on Bryce McGowan's putting up some crazy numbers. And, and the same thing could also be said about Trace Jackson Davis as well with Indiana. Dude had a monster game, and Indiana still only squeaked out a six-point win over Eastern Michigan. But yeah, other than that, I thought all the other Big Ten teams in action took care of business the way that that we expected them to. Even Minnesota, you know, was able to start the year off 1-0. So, uh, hey, you know, maybe we were a little too low on Minnesota to uh, in the offseason, which um, I, I don't believe. But, hey, good for them. 1-0. I remember when Rutgers started the football season 3-0 and or something, and we were like, dude, Rutgers is a football team. Like, look out. This team can compete with somebody. And then all of a sudden we look back and they're just pathetic. I have got a bad feeling we're going to say stuff nice about Minnesota. And the moment we do, we're going to see like eight straight losses. So Yeah, yeah we can't <laughs> fall into that trap again. <laughs> no, we're better than this, Casey. We, we need Hayden here to talk us in and be like, bad wins, bad crap wins. Like, that's what we need here right now. But no, no, I it's funny because yeah, we have the same four games that I wanted to even bring up. And you basically said most of the stuff I want to say already. But real quick on those, Ohio State. I mean, boy, could you feel Dwayne Washington, C.J. Walker, and Kyle Young's absence? First of all, Kyle Young, that grit, that leadership down there, where you're gonna have to occasionally win games like that, where you need to just what roll up the sleeves and get dirty and beat a team like Akron. The game you shouldn't have to win that way, but that's a guy you need for those. Dwayne Washington, you need that score. And then naturally, C.J. Walker, like you said, you notice late in the game when Akron started to put a little bit more of a half-court press on, Ohio State was struggling to even get the ball up court. And C.J. Walker was a guy that last year, he was, you remember when you were a little kid and the first time your team would see full-court press and you would panic, and there was that one kid on the team, you're like, get that kid the ball, He's going to take it up the floor and we're going to be fine. It's got a college feel, but it was C.J. Walker. Like, that was who he was. One of the most under-heralded players in the Big Ten. You mentioned free throws, but what he could do, the little things that aren't talked about, just getting the ball up the floor, that was a big deal. Yeah, and and on that topic real quick, Ohio State sure. had that same issue last year when Walker was out. And they could, if if somebody was pressing them, man, they, they could barely get the ball over half court. They had just a suing play in point guard. For a, a good amount of the time that C.J. Walker was out. So, man, it, I, I hope it's not that big of an issue again this year. But it wasn't really off to a great start last night. Well, and I'm going to take both sides. So, from a good side first, if I'm a Buckeye fan, what did we see last year at the end of the year that really gave you fits was winning that game at the end. I know it's Akron. I know it's a defensive breakdown. But to actually be able to... When there, when you really had your back against the wall, and we talked about how a loss to Akron there is a lot worse than a win is good. So to avoid that was a big thing. But then on the flip side, you were also up, what, 14 or something like this in the second half, and yet again, you get to see... I don't remember if it was 14. I know it was 11. I thought that they might have hit a three, but I might have been mixing up the Michigan State game because I was trying to double watch. Because we... When I texted you that it was tied up when Akron went on an 8-0 run to start the half, 
it was basically back and forth. You know what it is? I was thinking in the first half, because before they went on the run, I think they got up to 14 late in the first. Yeah, and I didn't watch. I wasn't able to watch the first half. So, you know, I, I heard Ohio State had a decent lead for a little bit, and then Akron had a nice little run. So you might just be mixing the halves together. I, you're right. I think that's what happened is I mixed it up. Plus, you, with the other game, I talked about that Indiana, because Indiana had a very similar kind of experience they were up at 21 in the second half in this game and had the lead cut to one with less than three minutes left and hey again it's a very similar thing to Ohio State but one of my favorite people on earth John Rothstein he tweets it every year at this time where it's paying to have these teams come in and beat you it's the epitome of just the worst possible thing for a, a program and to avoid that's a big deal so good for Indiana there and I won't talk about MSU. You talked about that well. But then Nebraska and Bryce McGowan's. I've been pumping this team's tires for the literal since the start of this podcast. And I was so excited to watch this team yesterday. And I wasn't, or obviously, I wasn't disappointed in McGowan's play, but you said it. I mean, this team has no depth, three points from the bench. And I really thought that he was going to be so good that it was going to. You know, it's almost like that early LeBron in the Cavs years where he was just going to will them to wins. And I'm sure he will at time, but I just don't think it's going to be enough now to once you get into that later part of the season to do that against these Big Ten teams. I hope I'm wrong. I really like watching Bryce, but who knows? Even if it's beyond this year, maybe Nebraska has a little bit of good things going. But do you have any last words you want to say on college basketball? Before we get over into our game previews for the what week eleven football slate? No man, I, I'm good. That was that was really fun. I can't wait to to be able to do that here for the next like five or six months with with recapping some basketball games too. It's gonna be fun. It's gonna be awesome. I mean, you said it at the top of the show. We're at that point of the year where there's just sports on twenty four seven. We're never gonna have to worry about what we're watching, which is a great thing. But we do want to remind you guys that Pigskins and Nylon is brought to you by Tabbies.com, the best Delta 8 THC edible on the market. It's sugar-free, keto-friendly, gluten-free, heat-resistant, made of 100% pharmaceutical-grade ingredients with consistent dosing for the perfect edible experience. But hey, if you're not into Delta 8 THC, that's not a problem. Tabbies offers an option with no THC. While using the same proprietary drug delivery system, to ensure that guaranteed dosage. Right now, Tabbies.com offers three flavors. Galactic Fruit, Watermelon, and Mint. Mint is my personal go-to, and it's perfect anytime you're feeling a little anxious or you need a break. So please make sure you follow them on Instagram and Facebook at Tabby's Co. That's Tabby's Co. spelled T-A-B-E-A-S-E-C-O to be the first to know when they drop. You can get any of these products at Tabbies.com. And with the promo code BIG10, that's B-I-G-1-0, you can get 20% off your entire order and free shipping. Now let's get ourselves into some game previews here. Nebraska and Illinois are on a bye this week, so we only have six games, which leads us into our first one. No big noon game this week. I assume the Big 12 must have it. Michigan, number six ranked now, as I mentioned earlier, is traveling to Happy Valley. And thank God for Michigan, this game's at noon. It is a noon kick at ABC. The whiteout at noon seems a lot less intimidating than the whiteout under the lights. 
And well, it's it's the white the the student game, yeah whatever they call it weird like that now it's, like, it's yeah. like a student whiteout or some weird I whatever it is it's gonna it'll be a fun environment but it's not the same as the whiteout we know what that is and they're basically calling this game a pick'em it's a half a point favorite the PSU right now which is you know how it is they're literally saying anybody here can win this game Michigan obviously leads this all time series fourteen to ten. And these coaches are three and three against each other. I'm going to go to you first. Who do you have coming out on top here? Blake Corum looks like he is going to play. Donovan Edwards, we're not sure about right now. So it does look like Michigan's rush attack, in large part, will be back. Do you think that Michigan's ability to run the ball and Penn State's lack of ability to run the ball is the difference in this game, Casey? Ooh, ooh, ooh. That's a fantastic question. I think that. Neither team will be able to run the ball to the, I, I guess, the success that they have had this year. Penn State hasn't been good, and Michigan is pretty decent against the run, so I, I don't expect Penn State to have a breakout rushing attack. However, on the on the flip side, I think Penn State's rush defense is really good. I'm not exactly sure where they rank statistically in the Big Ten, but I, I mean, I've watched it with my own eyes outside of one big run by Travion Henderson, they really bought, you know, had him bottled up. So I think it kind of evens, uh, it's, what am I trying to say? It, it doesn't even itself out. You know what I'm saying? Like It comes out in the wash a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. A, a wash, I would say, but like Michigan runs the ball a lot better. And so then on the contrary, like I think Penn State's passing game uh, will be better. I think Clifford's been playing a lot better lately. And they've been getting Jahan Dotson the ball a lot more lately, which is a really, really good thing for Penn State. But I don't know. I don't know. It's a very difficult game here. I think this year, Michigan might have the better team and has been playing a lot better recently. You know, Penn State lost to Ohio State and lost to Illinois. So traveling to Penn State is never easy. And being the noon game definitely helps Michigan in terms of not having to play at night, but I still think the crowd's going to be electric, so I'm not really sure how much it doesn't help Penn State. So, I, you know, I think in order to protect myself here from getting too far behind in the unit rankings between us, is it possible that I go Michigan plus a half and Penn State money line? Oh, what? Well, you can. I mean, <laughs> so like you broke so my brain. I mean, you can do that. If Michigan wins, then you know I it just cancels out the Penn State money line. I might lose a little bit. I didn't look at the numbers. But. You'll basically it'll turn into for this case, yeah. So if you like bet ten lose. bucks, yeah, if you bet ten dollars on both, yeah. you would guarantee yourself come out what point nine dollars down. So you'd be almost a wash. You'd lose. Yeah. About a dollar if you bet ten on both, and and that and this game is that tricky to me. So, but in all honesty, here I think I'm going to go with Michigan money line. I think they're going to get it done. I think it's going to be really close. I think it's going to be like a 27 to 24 ball game, which leads me to taking the over as well. I was kind of shocked at how how low that that over was. To be honest with you, I think Penn State's um, offense is better. Than what people really, I guess, think of, uh, think of them. I guess so. 27-24, I got Michigan winning and covering and over. 
I think that part of the reason that they have this line so low is because of what Penn State, what they struggle running the ball, like you said, even though statistically the run defense isn't great, what you see with your eyes tells you it's a better run defense than we've seen. And because of that, and you factor in Michigan's pass defense, again, I was surprised when I was looking at the stats, they've been much better this year than I thought they have been, that they're, I guess, just hoping for a lot of punts, maybe turnovers. And regardless of that, this is one of those games that I think that I'm probably more excited about this than I thought I would be. It's one of the games, I think that's going to be one of the most tightly contested from two good teams in the Big Ten this year. And that's one of the reasons I'm so excited to get to this and actually get to watch this game. I'm going to go with Michigan. And I actually am a little bit different to you. I think that it's going to be very similar to the Michigan State game where it's clear throughout that Michigan is the better team. But what do you always say, Casey? That they settle for field goals. And well, they always lose those type of games. They do. Whenever it's a big game under Jim Harbaugh, and Michigan clearly establishes that they're the better team, they outgain a, uh, an opponent by 160 yards, they somehow lose the freaking game. So uh, that's risky by you, I, I'm telling you. It is risky by me, but what I will say in this is that this is going to look like those games where I had the final score being 26-21 Michigan, so that gives me the under as well. But I have a feeling that this is going to be one of those games that Penn State could have the ball, like in a goal-to-go situation, and the defense needs a stop late. Like, this this game really does feel like, like 0.5 points one way or another was perfect because this truly is a pick em. I could see either one of these teams winning. I just, this year feels different for Michigan, and the fact that they have basically looked at their problems and took them head-on uh, instead of trying to beat around the bush this year it's kind of what you heard about what the coach of Tell the Truth Mondays. I think Jim Harbaugh on this team looks at them and say, hey, we should have beat Michigan State. This game is going to be very similar. We're walking into a hostile environment, and we're going to have to do our job. We're going to have to execute. And I think that this time, I do think that this team is whatever it is. There's something changing, and I think that they do enough to get it done here. And with that, I think that they are going to walk into that Ohio State game and turn it into winner goes to Indianapolis. Like the old days. Gosh, wouldn't that be awesome, dude? Both 10 and 1. Oh man, that, that would be fantastic. And and really it comes down. I don't know. I guess Ohio State plays Michigan State next week. I I forgot about that. But never mind then. I, that was a that was a bad take I was about to just say right there. <laughs> no, you're fine. When we do this show, the one thing I mean, we have so much information that's like cluttering in my head. That I'll like forget stuff or I'll say things and then look back and feel like an idiot. So that I dude, I completely get that. But this I don't know, like Ohio State Michigan being 10 and 1 and going back. I know that in 2016 we had it. I know in 07 we had it. It used to be like an every year thing like this. Had it in yeah. 2018 too. What was 2018? Now I'm spa- spacing here. Help me out. Why am I worthless? That was the Haskins year where they lost. Oh, the, oh no, Purdue. Jeff. Oh no, Jeff. That one with Jeff O'Corn throwing the interception. No, 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 no. That was 2017. 20, 2018 is <gasps> that when was Michigan when Michigan was, was fourth. Yeah, and Ohio State was tenth. They were both ten and one, and Ohio State put a whooping on them. That's um, I forgot. Michigan was actually like a four and a half point favorite going into yep. Columbus in that game. Yep. Good call. I actually forgot about that, but more or less it stays the same. My point is that this used to be. In every year thing, that back with the 10-year war, it was the winner of this game goes to the Rose Bowl. Now we have different, it's the playoff and Big Ten Championship, but it's the same thing. And that's just such a, it makes the game feel like the game again. 
And I know most Buckeye fans are kind of torn. Um, do you want to see an 0-12 Michigan team or do you want to see an 11-0 Michigan team walking into that game? And just from a Big Ten fan perspective, it is better when Michigan is good. And I think any college football fan, not an Ohio State guy, would agree with that. But what do you say? We're going to jump into some less fun games now. We're going to go now to Northwestern going to Camp Randall. This game's on ESPN2. And the Badgers, 23.5-point favorites against the Wildcats. And they've, surprisingly, this has been a pretty tightly contested series here in the Paul Chris versus Pat Fitzgerald era. These teams feel a little bit mismatched, unlike a few of those other games in the past. Northwestern can't score. They cannot score this year. And meanwhile, on the flip side, Wisconsin has finally gotten back doing what they should be doing. They've been running the ball nonstop in this last five weeks, and Graham Mertz has only thrown the ball 20 times or more once in their five-game winning streak. Wisconsin finally knows what they're good at again, and they're getting back to it. They started slow this year on the ground, but now they're up to 222 yards a game, which is second in the Big Ten, 13th in the, the NCAA after how bad that first month was. Tells a lot about the character of this team right now. I have Wisconsin covering the 23 and a half, and I actually have the overhitting very slightly too, which is set at 41 and a half for you guys at home. I think because of Andrew Marty and this Northwestern team slinging it like they have, you're going to see a lot of turnovers in this game or potentially a defensive score from Wisconsin that puts it over. So I have Wisconsin winning this game 38-7, to covering the spread, and hitting the over. Gosh, man. Whenever Wisconsin has a spread like this, I tend to go away from it because their offense is just not very good. I don't care about... They're rushing and all that stuff. Now, my eyes tell me they're not very good. <laughs> but I also think Northwestern is really, really bad. And so because of that, I'm going to take Wisconsin minus 23 and a half. I'm going to take the under because I really don't believe in either offense. But I have Wisconsin winning 31 to 7. So we're literally just a touchdown apart. Same score. I just have them getting the extra touchdown to push them to that over. So... At least we're on the same wavelength. We'll just have to see where everybody at home decides to fall with us there. Next game's not much better. Rutgers is going to Indiana. This is on Big Ten Network. If I'm not really sure why you'd watch this game, even if you went to one of these schools. But hey, if if for whatever reason you chose to, it's on Big Ten Network. <laughs> the Hoosiers are six and a half point favorites here. And this is another one of those games that God bless the odds makers for Vegas. I don't even know how you start like doing research to set a line. But the Hoosiers are six and a half point favorites here. The over is set at 42 and a half for this one. Indiana's won five straight in this little showdown between these two teams. But dude, they're both bad. I, I really, I struggled when I looked at this to find talking points and figure out what to say. And it's all negative. I mean, here, just for Rutgers, this team scored 13 points once or more than once in the last six games. Indiana on the flip side, their offense can't score. So, I don't know. I mean, I guess the thing I can say is McCulley's going to get reps against a bad team. I don't know where to go. Do, do you have any idea on what to make of this game before we get into the bets? First off, that was the best intro to a game preview that you have done. That was fantastic. That was hilarious. And and my my first note that I, the first point that I have here on my notes is, what a gross game this is going to be. So <laughs> I'm right there with you. 
really, I mean, I could see this game going either way just because both teams are not very good. But because Indiana's at home and you saw, I guess, one good drive out of Indiana's offense last week against Michigan, I'm going to go with Indiana and, and covering the spread by a half a point. Rutgers' inability to do anything on offense really kills any shot that they have at winning this game, I think, because Indiana does have a couple good players on defense. So I'm I'm going to roll with the under as well because neither offense is still very good. I got Indiana winning 20-13. to 13. Oh, boy. So the thing that I kept asking myself when I wrote this down, because this is like a high – what it, it's a high accusation to make of somebody because it, it says a lot about, I feel like, the coaching staff too. But doesn't it feel like this Rutgers team has quit? Like, it doesn't even look like they're, the effort's been there in the last month or so. Like, as soon as they've kind of they lost that Michigan game, we've seen just in it. It's been a story of two seasons for Rutgers. And, and since then, I don't, I don't know what to make of them. It, Noah Vedrill's questionable, so who knows if he's even going to play. And the only way Indiana doesn't cover in this game is if the absence of Stephen Carr proves to be more damning than we thought it was. But I don't think that's the case. I have Indiana winning this game, covering 27-9, so the under hits as well. But that's the last time I'm going to say on that one. We'll get into a little bit better news here, a little bit of a game that I'm actually surprisingly excited for. It's going to be bad TV. If you're not into low-scoring Big Ten football, this is not the game for you, but I'm excited. Minnesota's traveling to Iowa to face the Hawkeyes, number 20 now. It's a 3.30 game, also on Big Ten Network. So if you're lucky, maybe you catch the end of that Indiana Rutgers game. I was a five and a half point favorite here. The over-under is 37 and a half. You're going to be shocked, but I'm taking Minnesota out, outright. I'm not only going to take them to cover the five and a half. I'm taking them outright. And I'm going to take the over by half a point in this game. So they win 21 to 17. And I'm going to tell you my reasoning why before I give it to you here. Minnesota coming off their loss early in the year to Bowling Green, what did they do? They just went into Purdue. They beat that Boilermaker team that all of a sudden we're looking at as a top 20 team, or at least the college football playoff committee is looking at them as a top 20 team. After that Miami of Ohio win early in the year, they could follow that up with a 30-0 win at Colorado. So this team has proven that they can at least have a short memory and come back after laying an absolute egg and beating some pretty, at least teams with good players on them, teams that have the ability to win those games. Iowa has scored 31 combined points in the last three weeks. We know Minnesota's defense is at least functional. I just think this is going to be a very ugly game that... It's kind of like the Iowa-Wisconsin game a few weeks ago for me where I think that it's going to be what team makes fewer mistakes. And I think that with Alex Padilla coming in, in the absence of Spencer Petras, is going to show the difference. I think Padilla turns it over a few times, and Minnesota's able to go in there, shock some people, and that makes that Wisconsin matchup to end the year an impromptu Big Ten West showdown, which would mean you might have Ohio State-Michigan, and Wisconsin and Minnesota on the same day. And that is Big Ten football heaven. Yeah, that, that would be outstanding. But it's not going to happen, Wally. A week ago, we thought this game was going to be a big-time showdown. And it, and it still really is, I guess, for the Big Ten West race. But 
Man, Minnesota losing to Illinois last week. It lost a little bit of steam. And I really don't think I can pick Minnesota the rest of the year. I don't care who they're playing. They have let me down so many times this year. So, with that being said, I'm going with the Hawkeyes at home to get a 21-10 win over the Golden Gophers. Iowa covering the 5.5 and and hitting the under because I don't think either offense is very good. I think the only reason I have been a little bit more forgiving of Minnesota than you guys is that I had them in both of those games coming off the losses, so it made it so I was able to forgive them quicker than you have, and that's perfectly understandable. So that'll be... Again, there's not going to be a lot of points in that game. So if that's not something you you like watching, don't watch that game. Won't have that problem in the next one, though. The 330 game on ABC, Purdue is going to Ohio State. Now all of a sudden it's a top 20 matchup. Ohio State is a 20.5 point favorite. This is just screams Vegas again, where they always seem to have... I I don't know, they have like a little bit of... uh, a head start on us because that just seems like a ton of points for an Ohio State team that's had some issues on defense this year and a Purdue team that has proven that they can score on just about anybody in the country. I'm actually going to ride with Purdue here, and I don't know if this is me having the PTSD because people at home probably won't remember, but the last time Ohio State and Purdue played, it was when Hayden, myself, were in Columbus at Casey's place and got to see... Purdue win that game 49 to 20 and dominate Ohio State. And now it's really kind of turned into this like disease in my brain where Purdue scares the hell out of me. But I have Purdue actually covering this game and, and making this much tighter than people want it to be as, as Buckeye fans. The over under 61 and a half. I have the over hitting because of that. Ohio State wins 37 to 31. And much like Michigan, I think that the settling for field goals like Casey's been talking about is going to, at some point, it's going to rear its ugly head and possibly cost this team. It would cost the team a national title or a chance to play for a national title if that happens. And it's the red zone. It is the red zone. We said the other day, two touchdowns and nine trips is terrible. And that's coming from a team, too, that has put the ball in the end zone 12 more times than the next team in the Big Ten this year. Got to get back to those ways. They, before these last two games where they really struggled, they had scored over 50 points in four straight. Looked like they finally were clicking. Now you have that question. You're like, how much of that was the ability of these defenses we were playing? And how much of this was that we're getting away from what we are? Regardless, the offensive line, it's a challenge to them this week. I think everybody's putting the challenge out there. You haven't controlled a game that you should, or at least in these high-profile marquee matchups. This is an opportunity to do it against a defensive line that a lot of people don't understand is actually pretty good. And if that Purdue defensive line can get a little pressure on C.J. Stroud, who knows? We might be looking at another nightmare scenario in Columbus this weekend. But again, I have Buckeyes 37-31. to 31. Casey, are you as worried as I am about Ohio State potentially winning this game? Or do you think this might come a little easier than most, or at least me? Man, you know, when I looked at this spread for the first time, I thought, I was like, wow, 20? Wow, that's crazy. Especially after Purdue just beat Michigan State last week. I, I think Purdue's going to give them some trouble. I really do. On, offensively and defensively, they ranked fifth in the Big Ten in total defense. I, I didn't realize that until I was looking it up today. And there are four pretty darn good defenses that are ahead of them in the Big Ten that we are really, really high on. 
They have George Karloftis, who who is a a really really good player. So if he can get home and, and produce somehow, forces some turnovers, it could get iffy. I guess the game could be in question. But ultimately, I don't really think that's how it plays out. Uh, I think Stroud plays a clean game. I think Purdue does score. I think they put up some points. That offense is good. But for them offensively, I think it the, the biggest key is really if they're able to dink and dunk for four or five yards instead of running the football, just like what they did last week against Michigan State. Because if they're not able to do that and they're getting into third and longs, it's going to be a long night. I don't necessarily think that happens. I think O'Connell is good enough, and I think Jeff Brom is going to rotate his quarterbacks according to what the offense is doing and if they're succeeding there or not. You know, they have a running quarterback. If they're not able to run the ball, they're just going to put him in there. You know, I think Purdue does a really good job of it. I do have Ohio State winning. I'm, I'm taking Purdue to cover. I'm rolling with the over, and my final score prediction was 38-27. to 27. Ohio State winning it could be it could be one of those games where it's like a 10 or 17 point lead you know the whole game Ohio State might jump up early it's a home game 330 slot I love the three slot 330 slot on ABC and Ohio State might jump out early I think Purdue fights back I think they have some really good players like I said Carl Loftus uh, O'Connell's playing well and then I I'm not going to forget about maybe the best receiver in in the Big Ten in uh, David Bell so I, I think Purdue does put a scare in Ohio State and maybe kind of introduces himself back to the nation again and hangs around with Ohio State for a little bit. But I think Ohio State's talent is just too much. You know, as long as they can avoid stupid coaching errors like what they did last week, I think that they're going to win this one. It'll be one of the things I'm looking forward to most, at least, is seeing Trey Burke up against David Bell, however many times that may be, because we have started to see in Columbus and a lot of People around the country are starting to catch on to what Trey Burke has done, not allowing a touchdown, according to Pro Football Focus, so far this year. And that is... Denzel Burke. What'd I say? You said Trey Burke. Sorry, we're on a Big Ten podcast. We're getting out of hand with with all the Burks out here. No, you're right. Denzel Burke, not Trey Burke. Although Denzel probably could hit a 40-footer as well. I will say that I am excited to see that matchup and see if he is able to at least hold his own against somebody that... Because both of those guys, at the end of the day, in five years, are going to be playing in the NFL. And we're going to see what, at least the, the first look at a talent like this against, I must say, Trey Burke and Denzel Burke would look like. The last thing I want to ask you on this game, it's not even about Ohio State, so the people at home get to take a deep breath about this for once. Purdue, if they do win this week, they're 19 right now. I hinted at it earlier when we were talking about the CFP. What happens? Where do you put this Purdue team with a third win against a top five team? It'd be a lot easier if they had two losses, but they have three. And with that third loss, realistically, how high is this team's ceiling and capability to get after a win like this? Yeah, I think that they they probably jump into the top 15. You got to think after beating the fifth ranked team in the country or fourth ranked team now in the country. But I I don't even think they're the the top ranked Three loss team. I think there's going to be some SEC team that is already ahead of them that'll stay ahead of them if they win this week. Just because of the, you know, I don't understand what the committee or the AP poll or anybody really sees in these three loss SEC teams, but they get way more love than what the Big Ten teams do. So I, I would say the top fifteen. I, I don't really think they're going to climb into the top uh, ten yet because it, there are. 
you know, what? one? Uh, yeah, the entire top 10 is either of one loss or zero loss teams. So I can't imagine them creeping into the top 10. Me neither. And I, I think that we're also putting the horse in front of the wagon here with, with the game. But it was worth asking just because of what they have been able to accomplish in their games this year. And who knows what this team might be looking at had they been able to win that close game in South Bend. And then this what narrative around the team could be very different. But let's go into our last game now, where Maryland is going to number seven, Michigan State, four o'clock on Fox. Michigan State is a 12 and a half point favorite in this game. And it's a really tricky line to me just because of what Maryland has done since Dante Demas. And it's clear that Vegas is still assuming that Maryland's going to have success throwing the ball against Michigan State's secondary, which has been the worst in the Big Ten by a large margin. They've given up over 70 yards on average through the air more than the 13th team in this conference, which is about as damning as you can get, but they are still winning the games. They lost last week. We understand that. But beyond that, this team is still controlling their own destiny. If they win out, they'll be playing in the college football playoff and being able to play for a Big Ten title. So this is a game you can't overlook knowing what you have coming in next week. Casey, do you think that this Michigan State team is able to get the job done, slow up the Dante Demas-less Maryland Terps offense, or do you think Talia Tagovailoa is able to give them a little bit of fits and keep this game close? I do think that Talia is able to uh, give them fits. After giving up 500 yards last week to Aiden O'Connell and Purdue, the the following week, what do you have to do? You have to face the leading passer in the Big Ten in Talia Tagovailoa. So I think this game is going to be a shootout because the two things that the two teams are good at, the opponent is bad at. Michigan State runs the ball really well. Maryland does not defend the run very well. Maryland passes the ball very well. Michigan State does not defend the pass very well. So, yeah, Maryland ranks in the bottom third of the Big Ten in rushing defense. And like you mentioned, Michigan State has the worst by a lot when it comes to pass defense in the conference so really, what what gives? I think Michigan State has more talent and is the better team on paper and will probably come out a little hot, especially at home after last last wow last week's <laughs> last week's upset. I think Maryland keeps it interesting though. I think Michigan State ends up winning the game. I have the score being forty five to thirty one. So Michigan State covers barely. It hits the over, which was a very, very high over for or over under for the Big Ten Conference. So really excited to see this game too this weekend. We're like dancing with each other this week, Casey. We're really close on a lot of these final scores, but they're on the opposite side of the line where I agree very closely about how this game goes. The only difference is our final scores and that how we switch up on the end. I have it being 41 to 31. I Michigan State beating Maryland by 10. So Maryland does cover, and I have the over as well. I think we both have that hitting pretty comfortably because of what you said. Everything that this team does well, it seems like that team does poorly and vice versa. So I think you're right. We're going to have a little bit of a shootout here. This game I think is going to look very similar to that Western Kentucky-Michigan State game earlier. But I think at the end of the day, Maryland is going to do what they did to you back-to-back weeks and hurt you with a late score one way or another that's going to push you on the wrong side of the result. That's going to bring us to the end of another episode of Pigskins and Nylon, brought to you by Tabbies.com, the world's best Delta 8 edible. We'll be back early next week to break down the Week 11 games. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at P&N Pod. 
Facebook at P and N pod and Instagram also at P and N pod. This is arguably the best sports month of the year. As we were saying earlier on, it's a lot of work for us, but it's certainly well worth it. I love being back talking college hoops on top of college football with you, Casey. I think this is the year too, by the way, that the big 10 finally gets over the hump. I think Michigan's not going to be cutting down the nets, maybe for the big 10 tournament, but I think they are at the very important and ultimately the most important time to cut down nets about three weeks later for the national championship, making what our first one since 2000 in what with Michigan and Izzo. But that's my final thought today, Casey. What would you like to leave our listeners with? Yeah, that's, that's a bold prediction, but you know, Michigan has the perfect blend. They have older guys there. They have experienced guys and they have a very, very talented group of freshmen coming in. So I like the pick. But there are some pretty darn good teams in college basketball this year. So that are going to be really, really fun to watch, too. I guess my final thought is, man, I, I just love love this time of year, man. Fall weather, football, basketball, very, very exciting time. Get to, you know, spend some time with the family here soon, too. So just all in all, uh, a great month of November. I know I said that before, but looking forward to a great week of college basketball during the week and then looking forward to some great games this weekend oh yeah buddy you're absolutely right we got a great slate and it's going to be great to talk about on sunday hopefully with all three of us back together but we appreciate you guys listening and we will see you back here next week for episode 39 of pigskins and nylon 